Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we got to take you around the world of sports, so definitely we want to interact with you, so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. We talk to everybody. We have great conversations with our fellow content creators and fans alike, so you definitely want to get involved. Check out Parlay Points. New blogs dropping, especially a new blogs count anywhere. Talking a little AEW amongst other great wrestling organizations. Also, the T Public Store, Pad. Now, depending on when you listen to this, mm-hmm. there is a deal going on. Mm. Free shipping. Nice. Yes. So until Wednesday, July 13th. So, depending on when you hear this, you definitely want to go over to TeePublic and check it out and go get some OD page swag. The link is right there on the front page as well. The Classified section, which has friends of the show like 8122 Productions, Dragon Master Games, and a lot more. The Directory, all of that, and so much more. If it's the ODPH, it's found at odphpodcast.com. But kicking off this edition of the sports show, we got to address something that was brought up on 607TWS mm-hmm. on Twitch. If you're not following, you need to be following twitch.tv slash 607podcast. But we have to address it because this will be kind of impacting the show moving forward. Mm-hmm. Pad, take it away. Yeah, so uh, as some of you know and some of you might not know, there is an ongoing uh, situation regarding Vincent McMahon, who is the chairman and CEO, uh, well, was. I don't. He's not right now mm-hmm. uh, with Worldwide Wrestling or World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, or the WWE. Uh, the story came out what about a month ago? So, about a month ago now. Give take the about first a, allegation. First allegation about a month or so ago came out where it was alleged that Vince McMahon had a uh, relationship with an employee of his, uh, and and that money was involved in kind of in, in a hush payment. Mm-hmm. You know that she was paid off to kind of keep quiet. Uh, there was another gentleman in the company by the name of John Laurinaitis. Uh, who was in, implicated in this article from the Wall Street Journal, you know, so kind of blew up all over the Internet. You know, her whole kerfuffle was started to which led to Vince McMahon taking a step back and stepping down from his role in as chairman and CEO of the company uh, and his daughter, Stephanie McMahon, stepping in as an interim uh, CEO. Uh, since then, he has made at least two no three appearances on wwe programming Mm -hmm. uh he made one on friday night smackdown like the day it happened or the day after the day it happened yeah he was on smackdown the day it happened and it was announced he was going to be on there and everyone's like oh what's going to happen you know what's he going to say didn't really say much just you know talked about their whole thing at the start of the show if you have if you have ever watched you know together then now together forever or whatever it is he talked about that and then kind of walked off uh, then made an appearance on Monday Night Raw the following week to announce that John Cena was coming back, which we already knew. And that was literally all it was. He showed up. Hey, John Cena's coming back on Monday Night Raw in Austin, live in Austin, Texas, or wherever it was. Yeah, see ya. And then he made the appearance again when Cena returned to basically intro him. Mm. 
Uh, since then, uh, this according to an article from uh, sportsillustrated.com, quote, Vince McMahon sustained another damaging blow last week as he tries desperately to main- maintain control of WWE. On Friday, the Wall Street Journal reported that McMahon paid $12 million to four women over the past 16 years to silence allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity. One of the non-disclosure deals involved McMahon and a former former wrestler where, according to the journal, he coerced her into giving him oral sex and then demoted her and ultimately declined to renew her contract after she resisted further sexual encounters. This comes after a June 15th journal report that, uh, that McMahon paid $3 million in hush money to a woman with whom he, had, he allegedly had an affair. There is no excuse for the hideous nature of the alleged behavior, and there is a disturbing pattern with regard to the NDAs where McMahon has repeatedly, it's been reported, used money to cover up misconduct, close quote. So that being said, uh, we got a lot of opinions about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost, if you're thinking that Vince was ever an angel, uh, very much far from it. Oh, yeah. Um, to say a moral scumbag, I think, is probably an understatement at this stage of the game. That's putting it politely. It's just in these cases where you're hearing more of these allegations coming out and hush money being involved. And we've heard rumors out throughout, mm-hmm. throughout the dawn of time, pretty mm-hmm. much, when... The WWE has been a, the prominent pro wrestling force all around the world. I would say when you're at the top, you got a lot of folks who want to knock you off, and a lot of stuff gets said. Mm-hmm. Whether and it's true or not, you never know. Exactly. So there's always been rumors of stuff like this going around, but this is the first time that it's really came into the public forefront mm-hmm. to this degree. Yeah, like you said, there's always been rumors, but when it's coming from a source such as the Wall Street Journal, which mm-hmm. is very reputable, yeah, uh, there's there's probably some truth to it. Yes, and obviously with that being the first one that we've heard about for the $3 million in hush money, mm-hmm. now there's reports of $12 million to four women over the past 16 years. Yep. This is where Vince McMahon needs to step away from the company. Mm-hmm. Now, did he do anything illegal? No. no. But morally, yeah, completely wrong, and well, this behavior I, and is I, unacceptable. Did he do anything wrong in terms of the letter of the law? No. No. I mean, there are rumors and reports that there was, there's a, uh, what would you call it, like a, a company policy yeah, that, that forbids you from having relationships with other folks in the company, you know, that if, if that's true, then, you know, he's obviously violated that and he's subject to whatever terms are involved with the company policy, if it's true. But, you know, in terms of violating the letter of the law in whatever state he's in or at a federal level, no, he didn't do anything wrong there. Right. No, this isn't a legal matter, but this is no. just for one public persona. Mm-hmm. And being a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. That for being a company that is the number one brand of this type of entertainment, because that's what sport, pro wrestling is. Mm-hmm. It's sports entertainment. We all know this. This is a very, very big matter to deal with. And for the WWE, especially when they have to deal with advertisers, they have to deal with TV contracts, there's a lot of moving parts involved with their success of their company. Mm -hmm. Vince McMahon's actions now have to have some kind of repercussions. Now, what are they? We have to wait and see. We do know that the WWE board Mm -hmm. is investigating the matter. Yep. 
and whatever they come up with is going to be the final matter because they're going to handle it internally. That's all that they can really right. do. Right, and, and for as much as people want to go after this guy, and I totally understand why, you know, there's not much the state or, you know, the Department of Justice, the federal level can do because, like we said, it's he didn't violate the letter of the law. You know, while you're a shitty human being for cheating on your spouse and having extramarital affairs, there's no law on the books, at least that I'm aware of. Mm. You know, I can always ask my brother who's studying law. Yeah. You know, there's no law on the books that says you can't do it. You're just a shitty human being for doing it. Yeah, exactly. And like I say, Vince has been no stranger to controversy or questions of moral ethics throughout the tenure as him being the head of WWE. I mean, you can go back to the steroid scandal. You can go back to... say, Christ, the steroid scandal. He essentially told the federal government to fuck off. Yeah, so, I mean, the bravado he's had whenever faced with allegations is unparalleled. He, like Pat touched upon, he basically told the government to go kiss his ass when they tried investigating him about Mm -hmm. his business dealings. There's a whole thing about independent contractors. There's a whole thing during the pandemic where there were layoffs due to business reasons. You can have your opinion about Vince, but at the end of the day, he's still in charge of the company mm-hmm. until further notice. But where this comes into play is you now have all these allegations coming towards you. Mm-hmm. This is arguably the worst PR nightmare that they could ever think about. One of them, yeah. It depends on personal ranking, but yeah, it's up there. Well, it has to be up there, especially with a TV contract that is going to be up for negotiations. The next couple of years. Very, very shortly. And for a company that is publicly traded. Yeah, and uh, as of recording, and the U.S. stock market has closed. Uh, they're currently at uh, $63.72 a share, which is up $0.76 cents for the day. And over the past five days, they are up uh, $1.18. So nothing real huge. It's nothing really huge now, but... The more that this is getting investigated, there's going to be more pressure on the company to do the right thing. And that is for Vince to step down. Will he do it? I think at this stage he's going to have no choice to. Mm -hmm. Because with all these allegations coming out, and we don't know if this is the end of them. I'm hoping it is, but you never know. know. Yeah, you really don't. Until we get some clarification about what the repercussions are going to be. This is a situation that if he steps down would probably be the best move for all parties involved. Mm -hmm. For him... He should go. This kind of yeah. conduct is, is unacceptable. Yeah. And for the powers that be, they're going to be in place, which is Triple H and Stephanie to run the company. You couldn't be in better hands. Well, and the be- beloved Nick Khan. Yeah. Like they're going to, the machine will keep running. Yeah. So that's the, yeah. the biggest thing now. Yeah. But the what, what would actually really be more detrimental to the WWE if they, if people actually would do it is stop supporting them. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to ask yourself as a fan, when is when? Right. When is enough enough? And you can't have the fake outrage that you get mad about it for a couple of days and then you're going to go to an event or go cover it online and, you know, bring in that whole kind of nonchalant attitude right mm-hmm. after it happens. Because, I mean, we've seen it on, on social media enough times. I'm not going to be calling anybody out about it, but let's just face it. It's there. But now there's more allegations and everybody was so up in arms when it happened. And then how many of people were covering and talking about SmackDown that night? Right. That's where the problem lies, and that's where the situation has to be settled, where the fan, you, the listener, has to make a choice if you want to keep supporting this company and send the message to Vince or not. Obviously, you're, one person is not going to break the machine, but if one person gets another person to do it, and mm-hmm. another, another, and if the mm-hmm. numbers grow enough to a point where you're affecting the advertising dollar yeah. and the TV rating, which we always say doesn't matter, 
Because it doesn't, but in this case, to, to the, it does. To the fans, it doesn't, but to the advertisers, it does. Yes, because at the end of the day, for Vince and the and WWE to really notice that there is a problem, you got to hit him in the wallet. Mm-hmm. Cash rules everything around us. This is true. So that being the said case, this is where those fans that were crying and screaming, outrage, 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 the entire weekend, mm-hmm. need to really come together. And not watch the program, in my opinion. Right. I mean, that's that's about the only way you can do it. Just because I, um, you can you can search any company stock. Just go to Google and type their you know WWE stock or whatever company. You can expand it to one day, five days, one month, six months, year to date, one year, five year, and max. And I've got it for one month. You know, because I don't remember the exact date of the first allegation, but one month is in that range. June fifteenth, I believe. So yeah, there we go. Wednesday, June fifteenth, the stock was worth sixty seven dollars and eighteen cents. It dropped to $59.43 on Thursday, June 23rd, rose back up to $65.07 on July the 7th, and before dropping back down to $62.96 on Monday, uh, and then rose back up to the $63.72 we mentioned uh, today as we record. So, you know, stock ain't hurting them. You know, it, it is... Mm. WWE stock has never been worth buku bucks and all oh, so money right. so high in, sh- in you know how much per share you know so that you ain't gonna hurt them that way but if you are a shareholder and you do do feel so inclined go ahead and sell your share you know that's per- that's up to you I'm not I'm not a you know stock you know uh, advisor you know I'm not gonna sit here to tell you one way or the other but if if you feel so inclined and you want to send a message sell your stock you know get your mo- get your money back your however it works but the only way if you feel so inclined you know, is to not support the product. Don't watch Monday Night Raw. Don't watch NXT. Don't watch SmackDown, NXT UK, you know, level up. You know, don't watch the... And and you got to go pretty damn far to really impact them. You know, unfollow them on social media because those views on those videos they post, get them, get them dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, don't click on the website. Don't click on the YouTube videos, you know. Just any inner cut off all interaction with them because that ultimately it, it ain't much, but it's a little bit and a little bit adds up if enough people do it. Well, that's the whole argument that you have to have now is how do you send that message if you are really that outraged? And you should be. This kind of conduct is unacceptable on any kind of level. But is anything going to really get done? I mean, that's kind of mm-hmm. the argument that we we keep coming back to because obviously when the first allegation came out, Vince came out right on TV that night. Oh yeah, acted like nothing happened. And he sent the message to everybody mm-hmm. saying, "We'll be fine. Right. We'll get through this." Right. But now with more allegations coming and more reports that are really putting him in a bad light, right? The situation literally becomes now. You have to have Vince out of the company. You have to have him step away completely. Yeah, you do. Will he do it? No. I'm going to say he's not going to do it unless... It's, it's going to take the entire board plus his kids plus uh, Paul Levesque, Triple mm-hmm. H, uh, you know, plus Nick... It's going to take literally the entire company to tell him he needs to go because this is a guy that I see in, this, in, in the vein of, like, you know, former pro coaches, you know, that just are they're there until they die. Yeah. You know, that they just don't know when to go. They just don't know when to quit. They just want to do it and keep doing it. And, and I genuinely thought he was going to be one of those guys. And and he's always been that type that, like, he's a he's a go-getter. He you know, wants to keep doing it and not stop despite the fact he's, you know, 70-whatever years old. You know, but it's it's ultimately going to take the entire board forcing him out 
plus his entire family telling him, hey, it's it's time. Well, I think that's, that's going to be the argument because he's not going to go willingly. That's what oh, I'm hell saying. no. Like, he's going to go kicking and screaming. You need to send that message to the wallet. You need to send it to the stocks. You need mm-hmm. to send it to the advertisers because mm-hmm. that is the only way it's going to get through. And anything else is not going to do it. Making one tweet and then not following up on it is not going to do a damn bit of good. I'm no. sorry. No, it's not. You need to really, if you are that shocked and outraged by this, you need to do this. Unfortunately, I'm not because he's always had this mystique of trouble around him. No, I, and I wasn't you know entirely surprised either, you know, especially given day and age. Like, not much surprises me anymore. You know, so when the first allegation came out, I'm like, all right shitty human being but mm-hmm. like it's his own personal life you know i'm not gonna sit here and judge the guy like it's it's terrible and it's awful but hey it's his own personal life but then it, it hit the point where it was you know the the number and the amount over the course of period that we mentioned and i'm like all right i, I can't fucking sign off on this yeah so that kind of leads us to where we are now mm-hmm. and obviously we have been lessening our coverage at wwe if anybody hasn't been paying attention mm-hmm. too much that until Vince is now gone from WWE or the situation has been rectified, we're going on WWE boycott. You're not going to be hearing us covering WWE on our shows or on social media. You might get a quick tweet here and there if somebody yeah. asks us a question because we will always answer sure. something back about this. But I think I can speak for Pat and I'll let him talk on this as well too. I think until Vince is gone because we're going to be doing our little part about this mm-hmm. and send our message that way. And granted, we're just one little podcast that does have a decent social media following. We do appreciate everybody about that. But that's kind of where we stand on this because now this is a situation that I can't co-sign. I can't really get animated and excited to talk about a product where you're having now more allegations of paying off and doing a lot of dirty shit Mm -hmm. that is just not very cool, to put it mildly. I'm trying to be very PG about this. Sure. But that is kind of where I'm standing with it. Pat, I'll give you your thoughts on this. Yeah, no, I'm like, I'm I'm totally disgusted by his actions. Like I said, the first allegation came out. I was kind of like, all right, it's awful. It's a terrible situation. But, like, it's his own personal life. You know, I, I don't know. But then with all the other situations that came out, you know, I can't co-sign on it. I, I can't support it any longer. I can't, you know, turn a, bl- turn a blind eye to it anymore. You know, I, I've gone from watching Raw Weekly, you know, and NXT Fairly regularly. You know, my NXT viewership would wax and wane. You know, I'd watch more often when it was getting up towards a uh, pay-per-view, you know, a, a takeover, and then kind of like the one or two after. And then i kind of fall off and come back and forth. SmackDown, I'm always busy when SmackDown's on, so I'm usually catching the highlights with SmackDown. You know, to, you know, the pandemic hit, and then we weren't able to watch because we would have watch Raw together. Mm-hmm. But then the pandemic hit, and out of an abundance of caution, we didn't watch together. You know, so, and I kind of... Uh, went away from it just because the product wasn't good. I wasn't really enjoying it. And I felt I could do better things with my time, you know, play a video game, watch a movie, you know, watch a TV show and enjoy that rather than sitting there for three hours watching a product that was like, well, I wasted my three hours, you know, to now I don't even, you know, I'll, I'll occasionally catch, you know, the opening segment just to see what they do, just because usually that's probably the best part. And then after that, I just catch the highlights. But even now I'm not really doing that. You yeah, know, I, I I hardly watch NXT if ever. You know, I I don't really watch NXT anymore. I, I see the highlights and I see the stuff on Reddit, but that's about it. You know, I didn't watch all the way through on the NXT last NXT pay per view in your house, and I probably won't go back through and watch it because it's been so much time since. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why even bother? You know, and and I think going forward, as long as Vince is still 
there and still involved, you know, because even though he's not the CEO and, and chairman, he's still in control of creative. He's still backstage for every Raw and every episode of SmackDown. You know, for as long as he continues to be there, I can't support it. So I'm not I'm not going to sit there and watch Raw. I'm not going to sit there, you know, I'm, I'm not going to even give them the time of day to check out you know, the, the highlights on YouTube that I usually do. Like I won't watch everything, but I'll, I'll go to the YouTube page and I'll see like, Oh, that, you know, Oh, Finn Balor had a say, well, okay, that'll be interesting. Let me see what's going on with that. You know, I'll still peruse Reddit and I'll see what's going on through there. Mm-hmm. But in terms of giving them the time of day and the, in the minutes on YouTube, no. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the stance we're going to be taking on this because obviously trying to sit here and and really be excited to talk to you the listeners about this and it just doesn't feel right right now mm-hmm. it just doesn't i mean i mean obviously we've heard enough innuendo and seeing what was going to happen the first time was like okay it should have been the last time but now with more allegations coming out we got to take a stand about this yeah and i'll feel a lot better doing this and you know quite frankly i can watch other wrestling and talk about that a little more on here sure so that being said, that is going to be our WWE take until Vince is removed from the company or is, is fully gone completely. Then we'll have no problem coming back to talk about it. But let's end this segment on a better note. Possibly. Well, yeah, we'll definitely break it down because we're going to switch gears and talk about a little uh, show coming out this week, and that is AEW Dynamite Fighter Fest Night 1. Mm-hmm. So if you're not familiar with AEW decides to do these mini events on Dynamite, or sometimes they'll split up between Dynamite and Rampage that's on Friday nights, uh, that take the place of, um, we say those in-between pay-per-views, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, premium events, that they are supposed to be that kind of super card type feel to it. Right. So this is going to kick off their big summer one uh, for Fighter Fest, which they've done a couple times now. Uh Interesting card on paper, so let's talk about that, and uh, let's talk a little more happier wrestling. Uh, yeah, so I'm reading off of an article from comicbook.com because surprisingly, there's no Wikipedia page for Fighter Fest 2022. So hey, if you're on the air, if you're bored listening to this, uh, go ahead and make a Wikipedia page for Fighter Fest 2022. Uh, but on week one, which is taking place uh, this Wednesday, uh, June third or July thirteenth, not June, excuse me, uh, announced you have Christian Cage and Luchasaurus TBA. Yeah, they're just going to be doing an interview segment. If anybody has been watching, Christian Cage has been cutting some very vicious heel promos, bordering on the line of personal, like, yeah, shoots. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's something with the power of the turtleneck. He comes out, and I, I can't remember who said it, he looks like a James Bond villain, and he's just giving those mm. dastardly promos. Mm. And now Luchasaurus is being the hired muscle, so the once popular team at Jurassic Express is no more. Yeah. But we haven't seen uh, Jungle Boy come back on the show yet. Uh, and then also you have Jack Hager taking on Claudio Castanoli, a.k.a. or formerly known as Cesaro in the WWE. So this one is a continuation of the Jericho Appreciation Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't stand that name. Uh, against the Blackpool Combat Club. Right. And this one should be a fun match. Obviously, Cesaro, a.k.a. Claudio, and Jake Hager have history from the WWE, so this should be a fun match and seeing those two go at it. So I got a lock for this matchup. Lock it in. There will be a We the People chant. Oh, my God, yes. That's oh, definitely happening. That, that's going to happen. That's like a put money on it. You're not going to make much back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also you have Serena Deem taking on Anna Jay. So that's going to be a fun match. It has now been officially announced. I rumored this on Blogs Count Anywhere, so I'm super happy about this. 
We now have signed up for the Ring of Honor pay-per-view happening mm. on in July 24th, I believe. Or 23rd, I'm sorry. So it will be for the Women's Ring of Honor World Championship. Mercedes Martinez will be taking on Serena Deeb. And I'm going to tell you this. If you have not seen those two wrestle, they will put on a show. That might be match of the night. And I'm going to say this right now because we'll be talking about this next week. Ring of Honor has a very, very legit pay-per-view going down. Okay. So there's some exciting matches to get into. I'm glad they added this to it because I think it's definitely going to add to it. And this should be a fun match. Anna Jay is definitely improving. Uh, this should be deep all day, so I don't see her losing. The only way is maybe if Martinez gets involved to kind of push along their story, but they don't really need one. Uh, Deeb is a well-credited former champion in her own right, and Marseille's Martinez is just awesome. So this would be a definite fun one to watch. And then, well, I know John Moxley's in action too, but I think that that's just buying time until we find out more about CM Punk. Right. But there's a main event that I think is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So that is for the AEW World Tag Team Championship, where we have the Young Bucks defending their belts against Swerve in our glory, uh, which is uh, was Swerve Strickland mm-hmm. and then uh, Keith, Lee. Keith Lee. And then also taking on the team of Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. So this is now kind of playing into an idea that the Young Bucks are obviously claiming they're the greatest tag team on the planet right now, and they are the AEW World Champions. However, there is another team in that organization that owns every single belt outside of WWE and AEW, and they have been the number one contenders oh, yeah. since January yeah. or something like that. It's been since the beginning of the year, and that is one FTR. Mm-hmm. And what they've been doing is, I, at this stage, the only thing you can say is that they are trying to build this for a storyline. I now fully believe that we're going to have this match at All Out. Probably. And this is the Young Bucks basically saying we're going to beat every team on the roster and they'll kind of find some way to dodge FTR until they have to face them. And this is actually going to be a very, very good match. Uh, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee has been a very surprise hit as a tag team. I like their chemistry in the ring. I think they definitely put on some entertaining matches. I'd much rather see them in singles runs, but I'm okay with them being a tag team. Sure. On the flip side is probably one of the biggest sleeper teams in all of AEW, and that's absolute Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, who are very high in the rankings too, but as we talk about, AEW rankings really don't matter so much. Mm-hmm. So seeing them be this high, I haven't really seen a lot of them in the ring, but when they are in the ring, they do good work. So I'm really expecting this to be a great match. Should be. Uh, it should be on paper. I just fear it's going to be a Young Bucks match, and it's going to go about 10 minutes too long. <laughs> and <laughs> it'll end in shenanigans, or we like to say reasons. reasons. So I think the Young Bucks will retain here, even though I'm hoping we get in new, just because I think now all roads point to all out with FTR, even though FTR has a huge match next week, and we will talk about that next week. Uh, and then for week two, the, the only match announced on the card thus far is Chris Jericho taking on Eddie Kingston in a barbed wire death match. So this is probably the most puzzling thing. Yeah. AEW and death matches have not <laughs> um, been a smash hit, so to speak. Example, see, uh, what was it? Kenny Omega versus whoever the fuck he faced. Oh, it was him and Moxley. Moxley, that's what it was, yeah. No, but I'm going to take it back uh, even more. When we had... The man, the king, the god of this shit, Nick fucking Gage, Grace AEW. Shout out to Pizza Hut. Oh, my God. It, which I marked out for because I never thought I would see him come through the doors. But when Nick wrestled Chris Jericho in a death match on TV, the fan reaction 
was very, very 50-50. Sure. Because the one thing about it is deathmatch wrestling is not for everybody. Pat is not a fan of it. Nope. I have grown into it. I mean, granted, I'm not like a super hardcore fan about it, but I've seen enough GCW matches where they do death matches that have good storytelling in, and it makes sense. So I'm more warmed up to it, but I'm not something that like I have it circled in my calendar to watch. When that first match came out, uh, like you touched on, Pad, the advertisers definitely had a lot to say about it. Yeah, Pizza Hut took exception. Yep, and. The crowd definitely had a, a very unique feel to it yeah. because some were very intrigued by what they saw. Others were completely turned off. Sure. I know AEW diehards that were absolutely f- disgusted by it. Well, and that's one of those things that like, I, f- I feel you can hear it and you can be like, oh, I've heard of it. But until you actually see it, and even then it depends on who's involved in the match, you're not ready for it. Oh, exactly. Like It's something you have to really be tolerable of. Mm-hmm. And like I say, it's great storytelling when it's done right. Right. I think the biggest case of this is just most recently tournament or uh, Cage of Survival down with GCW, which it was John Wayne Murdoch and Alex Colon. That had a great story to it. That was a great match. Granted, it was out of control and wild, but still definitely did its thing. So now to hear that they're going back to a barbed wire match with Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston, and they're going to have the Jericho Appreciation Society in a shark cage because it's mm-hmm. shark week. Yep. Um, I'm very curious to see what the reaction is going to be with this. Mixed, I would say. I would say it's probably going to be mixed, too. I think that they have kind of dabbled around it again because when they had blood and guts, skewers were involved, barbed wire. It was was a little more intense with the double cage there. But now that you're going to do a barbed wire match, and I'm assuming it's going to be a traditional one, which that's going to be the ring ropes, I don't know how that crowd is going to deal. I don't know how the advertisers are going to deal. I, Warner Brothers Discovery is going to be cool with this. I think it'll probably be, from what you would expect from a normal deathmatch, I think it'll be toned down a little bit. It'll be like a deathmatch light. Well, I think they have to. Like, I mean, obviously, Chris Jericho is not a deathmatch guy, and Eddie Kingston, I think, has done he's done them. Because not even from the advertisers or a Warner Brothers Discovery perspective, the FCC ain't going to like that. Well, that's where you're going to really have to dance the, Cause the yeah, line. Yeah, it's on cable you know so it's not basic cable. you know it's 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 on cable you know and it's and it starts at eight o'clock so it's not like this is you know fucking the 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 public access channel at like two in the morning mm-hmm. you know where you can get away with this shit no this is a household channel where lord knows how many people have this channel in the united states that some kid can be flipping the channel and see if and i'm just saying this as if a hypothetical this is like a traditional hardcore death match some fucking five or six year old flipping the channel, you know, sees this thing. What the shit? The parents are going to have issues with this. Yeah, that's going to be the big telling point because I think that obviously they got away with a lot during Blood and Guts. Sure. That was also on a pay per view, though. No, no, Blood and Guts. Oh, was on, yeah, it that's was right. on, It was on Dynamite. Yeah, but, that's right. But they blended it in just enough. Like they didn't focus on it. Right. It's going to be hard to take away if it's a, if it's a barbed wire match and that ring is ropes are all barbed wire. Yeah. I I don't know how that's going to fly over. I really don't. I'm hoping it's going to be successful. But I genuinely don't know. But we're going to have to sit back and watch next week about that. But we do have Fighter Fest dropping this week. So ODPH Society, hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about AEW Fighter Fest? Are you excited for the card? Are you not? And let's talk about it. Vince McMahon, where do you stand on all the allegations? Are you going to still support WWE programming? Are you not? 
We can have a, uh, an honest discussion about that. We'll keep it positive. And for more pro wrestling content, remember, just check out 607TWS on Twitch and in podcast form. And blogs count anywhere on odphpodcast.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Time is going. Yeah. Hey, welcome to the Shane and I show. Or actually... It's not the Shane and I show. It's a promo. It's a promo for the Shane and I show, the show about nothing that makes you think of something. And we are available wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify, Apple, what else? Good pause. Yeah, but we got like five. We got like four, five seconds three, to fit in. Well, we're going to go a little over. One. So, hey. Listen you, to you, the show. Uh, yeah, you messed it up. You fucked it up. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And let's talk some UFC. Hell yeah. Now, there is a fight card that is going to be airing where, Pad? ABC. Yes, so Network Television is going to be showcasing this card going down Saturday, July 16th, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ABC. And they have put together a very solid card top to bottom. Like, we talked talked about the $16 rule for fights. Yep. This is well worth it. I'm going to say this right now. Like, they have stacked it with five... No, six main fights. Six card, six fights on the main card. Yeah, so they definitely have made your money's worth for this one because it's on free TV. So yeah, you know, well, you got to pay for it with cable, but still, a lot of fights to discuss here. So let's get into it. Uh, yeah, so obviously it takes place this Saturday, as we were mentioned from the UBS Arena in on Long Island, uh, New York. Uh, and we're going to jump right into the main card. And the first matchup on the main card we're going to talk about is in the women's flyweight division, where it's Lauren Murphy taking on Misha Tate. Uh, Lauren Murphy in 20 professional matches has a record of 15 wins, five losses, uh, lost her last fight to Val- Valentina Shevchenko via TKO. Prior to that, she was on a one, two, three, four, five fight win streak. Uh, and then on the flip side, Misha Tate in 27 professional matches has a record of 19 wins, eight losses, lost her last fight uh, to Ketan Vieira via unanimous decision that was back in November of last year, uh, and then won her fight before that uh, via TKO that was back in July of last year. Very interesting fight going on. Misha Tate going down to flyweight mm-hmm. is a very interesting move because obviously she has been a contender in the bantamweight division for quite some time. But to see now the step down, it does make some sense because obviously Misha taking off a lot of time coming back. I'm saying a new division is probably the best bet for her. And it'd be very interesting to see, especially when you have a champion so dominant as Shevchenko. Yeah. This makes a lot of sense. Lauren Murphy will definitely give her a challenge for this. This could go a lot of different directions. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to take Misha in the upset because I think that Murphy, though, will give her a very tough challenge. But. For Misha, if you're really going to put a fight together and you want to make a run for a title you know, at this stage, this is not a bad idea because obviously she's had success in the UFC in the past. Now is the time to strike while it's hot and go with the momentum into a flyweight division where you know, a solid win against Murphy could propel her mm-hmm. into that instant title shot because, let's face it, Shevchenko is looking for contenders. Yeah, she is. Uh, I'm going to go with Misha Tate as well just because, no disrespect to Lauren Murphy, but Tate's battle-tested, you know, beating the likes of Holly Holm, Jessica I, Sarah McCann, Liz, Liz Carmouche, you know, just to name a few. She's also been in the octagon against Amanda Nunes, uh, Raquel Pennington, and then some fighter named Ronda Rousey. I don't know. You might have heard of her. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Lauren Murphy pulls off the upset. But just looking at Misha's record and who she's fought, a little more battle-tested. Definitely more battle-tested. And especially with the wars that she's gone through in the bantamweight division, This she's got the championship experience where I think she's really going to test Murphy. I think that this could be an upset because Murphy has always been a contender right around flyweight too. So mm-hmm. 
this makes a lot of sense to make happen. And like I say, if Tate wins, don't doubt her leapfrogging to get a title shot. Yeah. Just put it out there. Next up is the featherweight division matchup between Shane Burgos and Charles Jordan. Uh, Burgos, in 17 professional matches, has a record of 14 wins, three losses. Uh, won his last fight against Billy uh, Quantrillo uh, by unanimous decision. That was back in November of last year. Lost his two fights prior to that, both against Josh Emmett and Edson Barbosa. And then uh, Jordan, on, in 18 professional matches, has a record of 13 wins, four losses, one draw. Currently on a two-fight winning streak, uh, winning his last fight via guillotine choke submission. That was back in April of this year. Uh, and then beating Andre Ewell uh, via unanimous decision. That was back in December of last year. Interesting fight going on here. Burgos has been like a hot and cold fighter in this mm-hmm. division, in my opinion. He's definitely a larger fighter for the 145. I'm not sure what he cuts to get down here, but it's he's definitely a bigger fighter going in. Right. Jordan is going to challenge him. He's really going to test him. And I know that, you know, with rankings and such, Burgos is a 14 in the in the, the division that I mean needs some kind of spark here. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not doubting that Burgos gets the win. I think this is going to be a scrap. Mm-hmm. I think that they're going to go back and forth a lot. But I'm leaning Jordan. I'm just going to say this. I it's I'm not saying this is going to be a complete one-sided. I could see this being a split decision. Right. Cuz I think both these guys are pretty equal in their skills, but I'm just going to take Jordan because it seems like Burgos will come out of the gate hot in that first round and then usually starts cooling off as it, the fight goes longer. So unless he gets a quick stoppage, I don't see him winning this one. Both of these guys are streaky. I mean, I'm looking at Burgos's record. He won 10 fights in a row, and then he lost his first fight. Won three fights in a row, and then lost his second fight. Lost another fight after that, and then won his last one. And then on the flip side, you've got Jordan, who won five fights in a row, lost one. Won four fights in a row, lost one. So he's 9-2 and two at this point. Won a fight to make him 10-2. and two, Lost a fight to make him 10-3. and three, Draw to make him 10-3-1. and one. Won a fight to make him 11-3-1. Lost a fight. Won two fights. So these guys are both very streaky. Uh, I'm going to go Burgos. Yeah, like I say, this one could go anyway. Like, honestly, I could flip a coin and, and give you a prediction because they're both very skilled. They're both very streaky, though. I'm just saying if, if Burgos doesn't get him in the first round, he's going to struggle going in the second and third. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm just going to say. Uh, next up is a flyweight division matchup between Matt Schnell and uh, Sue, and I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize, uh, Madurji. Uh, you've got Schnell in 22 professional matches, has a record of 15 wins, six losses, one draw, or one no contest, excuse me. Uh, lost his last fight to Brandon Royval via guillotine choke submission. That was back in May of this year. Uh, had his last fight uh, was a no contest, uh, you know, against uh, Rogerio uh, Bontorin. Uh, that was in May of last year. Uh, and then on the flip side, uh, you've got Sue, who in 20 professional matches has a record of 16 wins, four losses, currently on a three-fight winning streak, winning two of those fights by the unanimous decision and the uh, middle one uh, by knockout. Well, this is an interesting one for the division. I'll say that right now. Schnell is the eighth-ranked fighter. Uh, Majeri is the 12th. Okay. So that being said, uh, I like Schnell a little better in this one. I think that he's definitely going to push the pace a little more. I, I'm not doubting that Sue will be able to pull off an upset, though. Like, I'm not going with, like, full confidence about Schnell. But in this division where, much like the featherweight, you, you have, like, the upper echelon of the fighters mm-hmm. right now between Moreno, Kara France, Royval, then you have a very distinct drop-off, in my opinion. So right. 
who's going to be the breakout star? And for Schnell, I mean, this is a fight that he could definitely sneak in and maybe crack the you know the five ranking and and get a, a big opponent name. But Jerry, I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm going to be very honest. I'll tell you this: as long as uh, Majeri keeps things on on his feet, he's got this in the bag because all four of his losses have come by submission. Mm-hmm. So he gets taken to the ground. It's fucking game over. Keep it up. He's pretty good. Although interestingly, on the flip side, uh, Schnell uh, of his 15 wins, eight are by submission. Yeah. So I mean, it's perfect striker for Scrappler. I'm going to go with Schnell just because I think he's going to want to get this to the ground quick. Okay. I'm, I'm, Like I say, I'm not going with full confidence about this because, like I said, he can get caught going in for a takedown. Sure. So that being said, I will say by decision. I'm going to go with Schnell via submission. Okay. Uh, and then next up is a welterweight division matchup between between Lee Jinglang taking on Muslim uh, Selikov. Uh, you've got Jinglang in 25 professional matches, has a record of 18 wins, 7 losses. Uh, lost his last fight against Kazmat Shemeya, which is, hey, nothing to really... That's nothing to sneeze about, yeah. No, no. lost that by a rear naked choke submission. Uh, won his fight before that uh, via knockout. And then on the flip side, you've got Muslim uh, Selikov is on a, whoa, shit, one, two, three, four, five fight win streak, winning three fights by decision and two of them by knockout. God damn. Yeah, I like Selikov. I like him a lot in this one. Nothing against uh, Lee, though. But this one, I think, when you it, it's a weird thing when you come off a bad loss, like how you respond. Mm-hmm. And since Lee has came off against uh, Chimeyev, I don't know. Like I'm just I'm not sold because Chimeyev is just a, a different type of fighter, though. We got to remember that, right? But I say Shalikov, I I like him. I like him doing a quick knockout. I'll tell you what, statistically, if you get a rear naked choke on uh, Shalikov, you'll win his two losses. Rear naked choke submissions. Oh yeah, no, he's gonna want to keep the standing, and I think I think uh, Lee's gonna try to get into the ground. But I think this is a situation where I definitely think he's gonna get caught coming in. Like I yeah. think Solego's power in this division is a little underrated. So, like I said, I'm gonna say it'll be a stoppage in the second. I'm gonna say yeah, I'm gonna say Solego be a knockout. Uh, and then in the co-main event of the evening is a women's strawweight matchup between Michelle Waterson taking on Amanda Lemos. Uh, Waterson, in 27 professional matches, has a record of 18 wins, 9 losses, lost her last fight to uh, Marina Rodriguez via unanimous decision that was in May of last year, uh, and then prior to that won her fight against Angela Hill via split decision that was in September of 2020. Uh, on the flip side, you've got uh, Amanda Lemos, had lost her last fight to Jessica Andrade via standing arm triangle choke. Yeah, that, that was, was wild. Yeah, that was back in April. And then prior to that was on a one, two, three, four, five fight win streak, winning one fight by technical submission, a rear naked choke, two by decision, and two by uh, TKO. This is going to be a fun fight. This is really going to be a fun fight. I can't stress this enough. Uh, Watterson and Lemos are 10 and 11 on the rankings. Right. So don't let that fool you, though. They're both very, very solid fighters. Watterson has been through some battles. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying on the level like Diego Sanchez or uh, Robbie Lawler, but she has scrapped with the best that has been in this division. So that being said, I am going with Watterson. Okay. I, th- I think it's going to be a solid fight. I think it's going to be what you want to see out of this and they're they're just going to go in and leave it all in the cage. They're going to you're going to see every kind of trick in the book pulled here just to be an entertaining fight. You're not going to have a boring, you know, one and done here. I will say that. Um so I will say I'm going to take Watterson. I'm not sure about the finish though, but I'm going to say she's going to get the W. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing again. Don't know how it's going to go, but I think Watterson will pick up the victory. 
Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, in the main event, you have a featherweight division matchup where you've got Brian Ortega taking on Yair Rodriguez. Ortega, in 18 professional matches, has a record of 15 wins, two losses, one no contest. Lost his last fight by unanimous decision to Alexander Volkanovsky. That was for the UFC featherweight championship. Mm-hmm. Won his fight prior to that against the Korean Zombie, which, hey, <laughs> it's a feather in your cap. Uh, that was back in uh, October of 2020. Uh, and on the flip side, Yair Rodriguez lost his last fight to Max Holloway by unanimous decision. That was back in November of last year. Beat Jeremy Stevens by unanimous decision. That was in October of 2019. So this fight's got a lot of implications. This is why it's got the main event slot. Uh-huh. Because depending on who wins here is going to have either a title shot or a wait and see. Brian Ortega, arguably the best fighter not named o- or Alexander Volkanovsky. Yep. In this division. He has gone through some battles. And you want to say, like we touched upon, between like the Diaz brothers and Robbie Lawler. Also, Tiago Tavares, Cub Swanson, Frankie Edgar, Korean Zombie, Volkanovsky, Holloway. He has taken some fights, and he has definitely been in there until literally the ref has had to stop him. There's been a couple that have been like, I hate saying like a 50-46. Right. But there's been some rounds he's gone late, and I'm talking fourth round, and I'm talking fifth round, that for some reason those fights haven't been stopped. And I appreciate the warrior heart that he has. I do. I'm not taking anything away from him about this. But he's now in a situation that if he wins, where does he go? Because I don't think you're going to run him and Volkanovski back. Probably not. I I mean, they might. I mean, granted, I mean, there was no reason we had Max Holloway versus Volkanovski 3, but hey, YPAD? Reasons. So, it's not out of the realm of thought. No. But I think for Ortega, he needs this fight very badly. I do. I can't see him dropping down in weight because he does look like a big 145 fighter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like a bantamweight if he loses. I'm just trying to think ahead of, of the game that he could try making a run up to 155. Right. But that that whole division is just stacked right now. Like, not saying he wouldn't have success, but he's in a weird situation that he has to win to stay relevant if he's going to stay at 145. If he loses, he's got to go somewhere else. Or Hollow or uh, Volkanovski's got to vacate the belt, and then maybe he's got a chance to get in that title picture again. But if you can't beat Max and you can't beat Volkanovski, what are you going to do there? You're just gonna, right. you're you're going to just be Basically, the guy that is the one before the guy. It's just, it's sad to say. Yeah. Yari Rodriguez, interesting fighter. Uh, definitely came back to the UFC, got a fluke win over the Korean Zombie, which I still have not gotten over. Uh huh. If you've never seen that fight, he pulled off the biggest Hail Mary elbow I've ever seen in my illustrious years of watching the UFC and MMA. If you're looking it up, it took place on November 10th of 2018. Yes. It was a Hail Mary shot of and epic was, proportions. And it was a UFC fight night, not a pay-per-view. Uh-huh. It was crazy. And he he was losing that fight, too. Badly. Oh, yeah. And he knocked out the Korean zombie in one of the scariest things. I've, I, I just remember watching, like, wait, does, does this just happen? So for him to be in this title picture, obviously, is a very interesting predicament. If he wins here, I think he gets a title shot, no matter what. If it's going to be against Volkanovski, because we have not heard if he's going to give up the belt or what his future plans are. But I think that Rodriguez has to be in that title picture, no matter if I think he's an impressive fighter or not. So now is the question of who wins in this one. Now it's going to be the main event, so it's going to be a five-rounder. Brian Ortega is known to close out fights in the third round. 
if it goes to the fourth and it goes to the fifth, he's in trouble. So I think for him, he's going to want to submit him early. He does not want to take this fight into deep water. Hell no. For Rodriguez, I think the smart move is to take him to deep water. Strike and move, strike and move, strike and move. Don't get caught in any jujitsu, and just keep the fight on the feet. If he tries grappling with him, it's going to be a short night. So that said, Pat, who you got? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to take uh, Ortega. Okay. I'm also taking Ortega. I think what's going to happen here, and it's going to be fun to watch, is he's going to come out there really trying to press the pace. I wonder what kind of intro he's going to come out with, too. I know it's a fight night, but still, he's going to come out doing some kind of crazy stuff. And then when he gets in the cage, he's got to do something which he does not typically do, and that's be the aggressor out the gate. He likes to do a little defense, not to the extent of an Adesanya or Anderson Silva. Right. But he does not like to get that quick start. I want to say, like, in comparison, might be a little down with Cowboy Cerrone. You know how Cerrone took a round and then it was ready to go? It's along that kind of same vein. But I think what he's got to do is Rodriguez is going to pressure him. He's going to pepper him. He's going to pressure him. He's got to be able to withstand that early storm. He's got to set the pace, and he's got to make sure he implements his will to really start lulling Yair into some different looks. Because if he comes out and tries doing a submission early with nothing behind it, it's going to be a short night for him because Rodriguez, as much as I'm not super impressed with him as a fighter, is still going to knock him out if he gets the opportunity. He's got hands. I will say that. Striking is very, very good. But where I think you're going to see this fight go is in that third round, I think you're going to see that old Brian Ortega magic come back, and he's going to get the sub on him. He might get a guillotine on him. I'm going to say that right now. That will be my call for the finish. He's going to get the sub in the third. And then everything gets a little crazy because where do we go from here? That's why this fight card really matters because there's a couple fights that you might see an instant contender for some champions right away. The 145 division for the men's is really up in the air, though, because it depends on what Volkanovski wants to do. If he wants to move up and do a champ-champ run, he's entitled to it. If he's going to fight Henry Cejudo, which I know has been rumored again, that could go down. That would be a great fight, too. And then looking at the women's division, too, it's not all the realm of thought for Misha Tate. Like, I think she has the one that has the most to gain by a win here because for a division that is desperately looking for contenders, and you know Santos is not fighting anytime soon because of her injuries from her last fight, this is a situation that Chevchenko is going to have an instant contender. Mm-hmm. So that being said, ODPH Society, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the UFC fight night going down on ABC? Yeah. That is not a typo. That is really going down this weekend on Saturday. So give us your picks. Give us your thoughts. Let's have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, all. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom, from movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got to talk a little Binghamton Rumble Ponies action. Hey now. Uh, looking at their schedule from last week, uh, they were playing the Portland Sea Dogs at home. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, the, last week they did have a game on July the 4th where they lost 11-3. to uh, They came back on Wednesday and lost again by the final score of 12-5. to I'm noticing a theme here. Yeah. L- lost on Thursday by the final score of 16-1. to uh, Lost on Friday by the final score of 7-4. to 
lost on Saturday by the final score of 11 to 5, and then lost on Sunday. Yikes. Oh, well, that, that score is only 3 to 1. Uh, looking ahead to this week, they're on the road taking on Erie. Uh, game times are 6.05 on Tuesday, uh, July 12th. Uh, July 13th, also at 6.05. Thursday, the 14th, also at 6.05. Friday, the 15th at 6.35. Uh, Saturday, the 16th at 6.05. And then Sunday at 1.35. Uh, they are then on a break uh, for most of next week uh, for the All-Star break uh, and before they return home for two back-to-back homestands starting on July 22nd. Uh, for more information, tickets, and all that good stuff, bingrp.com. Uh, switching over to the Major League Baseball because one week from today, uh, it will have been the Home Run Derby, which I'll get to in a minute, but uh, will be the uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Mm. Uh, and the starters and reserves got announced for the All-Star Game, so I'll go through. I'll name all the starters, and I'll mention some of the standout uh, reserves. I'm not going to go through everybody because, Lord, we'd be here a while. Yeah. Uh, for the starters, in left field, you have Jock Peterson of the uh, San Francisco Giants. Center field, you have Ronald Acuna Jr. of the world champion Atlanta Braves. And then in right field, you've got Mookie Betts. Uh, in the infield, you've got Manny Machado at third base from the San Diego Padres. Trey Turner at shortstop from the L.A. Dodgers. Jazz Chisholm Hall Jr. at second base from the Florida Marlins. And then Paul Goldschmidt at uh, first base from the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, catching, you've got Wilson Contreras. And then Bryce Harper was named as the designated hitter uh, for the National League. But obviously, since he's out on injury. He's out on injury because he took a uh, fastball on his wrist and, hey. and broke his wrist about a week or so ago. Uh, you've had Carlos Rodon and also, what is it, Garrett Cooper uh, named to the National League and his and replacements. Uh, so one of those guys will be filling in for him as starter. Uh, and then on the reserves, some of the notables uh, from starting pitching, Clayton Kershaw is in there. Uh, you've got Luis Castillo. Uh, and then from the relievers, you've got Edwin Diaz is in there. And then from the reserves, Albert Pujols got named in there uh, because apparently the commissioner, the owner, somebody put in this thing where the commissioner each year can, if he wants to, name two legacy uh, all-star selections to be able to. Really? Yeah. So if, if he wants to, he doesn't have to. Uh, but so Albert Pujols was one of the guys named by the commissioner to go to the All-Star game. Yeah, I was going to say he ain't going to skip that. Yeah, so all, Albert Pujols is going to go there. Obviously, this being his last year in the majors, he said he's retiring after this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in the reserves for the infield, you've got Nolan Arenado, uh, William Contreras, Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, Travis Darno, Juan Soto, Kyle Schwarber, Starling Marte, and Ian Happ. Uh, on the American League side, You've got in left field, Giancarlo Stanton from our New York Yankees. Yes. Center field, Mike Trout from the L.A. Angels. Uh, In right field, you've got all-rise Aaron Judge in right field. Uh, Third base, you've got Rafael Devers at third base. Tim Anderson is at shortstop from the Chicago White Sox. And then Jose Altuve is at second base for the Houston Asterisks. And then Vlad Jr. uh, is at first base from the Toronto Blue Jays. You've got, and then you've got Alejandro Kirk from the. I want to say they're the from the Chicago White Sox, or maybe maybe the Blue Jays. I forget. Is it uh, at a catcher? Uh, and then as designated hitter, although I've heard he's going to start, uh, you've got Shohei Otani from the LA Angels. Uh, and then some of the notables uh, from the reserves for the American League. Nestor Cortez is in the American League uh, All-Star Game for the first time. Let's go. Good for him. Uh, you've also got, uh, where is it, Justin Verlander, 
uh, Garrett Cole. Shohei Otani's in there as a starter, so he is, and I think it's been confirmed he is going to be starting through the American League uh, during the All-Star game. Uh, for the relievers, Clay Holmes and the New York Yankees. If you have not seen his reaction to getting nominated to the All-Star game where Aaron Boone, the manager of the Yankees, told him, do yourself a favor, look up that video. I don't care if you're a Yankees fan or not. If you're a sports fan, it'll warm your heart. Yeah, yes, it will. That was a great video. Uh, and then on the uh, infield side, you've got uh, Jordan Alvarez, although he is out because of injury. J.D. Martinez will be taking his place. Uh, Jose Ramirez uh, is in there as well. Miguel Cabrera, he is the other legacy nomination by the commissioner because, hey, he's been there. He's been around a while. Uh, Jose Trevino from the New York Yankees, very well-deserved, I would say. Uh, Xander Bogarts, George Springer. Andrew Benatendi, Kyle Tucker, and Julio Rodriguez. Uh, so those are some of the notable uh, reserves in the American League and National League. Uh, and then we get to the Home Run Derby because, I'm not going to lie, I love it, it's been well noted on this show. I love the Home Run Derby. Yeah, this is Pat's jam. Yeah, no it, question it, about it's, this. It's my jam. I love the Home Run Derby. It's a lot of fun. It's it's lackadaisical. It's gotten better in the last couple of years. You know, well, Now that they've got the format figured out and they've stopped changing it around. They've not even announced everyone in this field. There's still three more positions to announce, and it's fucking loaded. Break it down for us. So going for a Michael Jordan three-peat, or maybe a Kobe Bryant three-peat, Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets, who has got 28 home runs, or excuse me, 23 home runs through 86 games played. From the world champion uh, Atlanta Braves, Ronald Acuna Jr., who has eight home runs through 54 games played for Atlanta. From the St. Louis Cardinals, Albert Pujols, who's got five home runs through 49 games. From the Washington Nationals and the record holder for the longest home run hit in home run derby history at at 520 feet, Juan Soto. Seriously, seriously, look up the video. Google, do, do a YouTube search. Juan Soto, home run derby. 520 feet. It's fucking absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is in the home run derby. Uh, he has 20 or uh, 17 home runs through 85 games played. Uh, and then lastly, and sure as shit, not leastly, announced thus far, Philadelphia Philly slugger Kyle Schwarber, who has 28 home runs through 85 games, is in the home run derby. This field is loaded, and they've still got three more spots to fill before mo- Monday at 8 o'clock when the Home Run Derby takes place on ESPN. Oh, my God. It's it, going to be insane. It's going to be wild. I mean, this is one thing that for the Midsummer Classic, it's definitely gone through its evolution over the years. Sure. So we definitely have to give that respect to it. And obviously the Home Run Derby, like we said, this is Pad's event. So, uh-huh. you know, this is something he definitely gets excited for. So Pad digs the long ball. Yes, he does. So that being said, obviously this field – you have any idea who they're going to be adding to it? Uh, well, I know Aaron Judge is not doing it. He was asked, and he said he's not going to do it again. I know Giancarlo Stanton has thrown out the possibility of doing it because he's from the L.A. area. So I, I could see Giancarlo doing it. Um, I know Vlad Guerrero Jr. putting on the show, whether it was either last year or the year before, where he hit like 28, 29 home runs in a fucking round and then did it again mm-hmm. in the second round. I don't. Th- I think he said he's not going to do it because he messed up his wrist the last time he did it. So I think he's out. Ideally, I would like to see Stanton would be nice to see do it. Otani would be nice to see do it just because there was so much hype lash with Otani, and then he laid a fucking goose egg. Yeah. It was, kind of, it was kind of a letdown, so I want to see Otani bounce back and do something fun there. Past that, I mean, Alvarez would be nice to see because he's also a great home run hitter, but he's out with injury. I mean, I, I'll say Stanton and Otani, and then the third one, I just don't know. 
Yeah, I got no real pick about this one. I mean, obviously, Judge would be great, but I think that he's obviously trying to get himself ready for that playoff push uh-huh. and doesn't want to do anything to jinx it, especially going into free agency. Right. So I think the card, though, it looks pretty stacked, though, for the Home Run Derby. So oh, it absolutely does. So, yeah, the Home Run Derby takes place uh, this coming Monday, uh, which is what date is that pulling up a calendar? Uh, July 18th. I believe that's at 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Uh, yeah, and then, yep, and then the All-Star Game is on Tuesday, July 19th, 8 o'clock Eastern on Fox. So definitely stay tuned for that. Yeah. So on my end, uh, two things, actually. Well, three, to be honest. Okay. So one, just a quick news blip because it was announced that the Pittsburgh Steelers have a new name for their stadium. I don't care what they call it. I'm still going to call it Heinz Field. Well, that's the whole thing. I know there's like It's like that tower in Chicago. It's not the Sears Tower anymore. I still call it the Sears Tower. Yeah, exactly. That's like... I don't call it the Crypto.com Arena. It's Staples Center. You know, that's why I still call it Bill Stadium, Rich Stadium. Sure. Like, it's one of those things that I don't get up in arms about this, but I know that there was a little bit of outrage about this. I know I had a couple DMs, which I'm still researching uh, a couple of the questions that we're asking too, but... Just to give the the quick hits for it, Heinz Field is now renamed a Kreischer mm-hmm. Stadium. So take it for what it is. That's going to be the home of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And to quote a tweet from one Ben Roethlisberger, I can't believe it. It doesn't seem right or real. Home will always be <laughs> Heinz Field. I will never forget the last game and all the amazing memories at Forever Heinz. Well, I mean, clearly, uh, clearly they have to get out from under the shadow of what Bain did to that stadium. Yes, he was born in the dark, molded by it. Spoiler alert, if you didn't know, that whole scene in The Dark Knight Rises was filmed at Heinz Field. Yes. Oh, such a good Yeah, I should rewatch that movie sometime. It's a good movie. So. Yeah. Uh, the trilogy, I believe, is currently on sale uh, on Amazon Prime Days. Oh, that's true. I got mm-hmm. definitely got to take a look for that. Uh, there was some news, though, about golf yeah. that we didn't talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've been kind of staying away from this because... We're not J- the sound guy galore JR, and golf isn't exactly our biggest forte. No, and Coach Duffy hasn't made it, and I'm waiting for that mighty blog of his to come in about it because I know he wants to talk about it. But uh, there's a lot of news going on with about the uh, reshuffling of the deck of uh, rosters, so we say. So to speak. Because the PGA Tour has some competition now from the Live Golf International Series. Yeah, so the Live Golf International Series, which is, I believe, what is it, Greg Norman is like one of the head honchos or like someone in a position of power over there, uh, has basically been bringing in a bunch of well-named and and some up-and-coming golfers from the PGA Tour uh, for a lot of money, which is fund, uh, funded by the Saudi Arabian government. Uh, so take that for what you will. Mm. Uh, but among those is uh, Phil Mickelson is one of the most notable names who's joined there. Uh, according to an article from SportingNews.com, quote, uh, Phil Mickelson, the first and most notable player to join the Live Golf Tour, was reportedly offered $200 million to make the jump. Uh, Mickelson has earned $94 million on the course during his PGA Tour career per Spotrack. Uh, they would go on to say former world number one golfer Dustin Johnson was another live golf defector. Uh, uh, but, so there's been a fair number of names among there, Mickelson and Dustin Johnson, I, uh, being two of them. Bryce DeChambeau uh, was another one. Brooks Kepka was another one. Uh, there's a whole list of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. So there's there's a long list of folks uh, names here among like uh, Ian Kepka, uh, Sergio Garcia, 
you know, among among some of the names. I'm just scrolling through the list of some names I recognize. Lee Westwood is in there. Ian Poulter. Uh, let's see. Anybody else I recognize? Because I, I don't follow golf religiously, but I still recognize some of the names. Oh, some other names I don't know. But so these are all folks who have joined, you know, among the whole list of others that have joined, left the PGA Tour and joined Live Golf. Uh, some of them have basically it's been this kind of like staring match argument between the golfers and the PGA Tour where they're like, hey, if you go do this, we're going to revoke your PGA Tour membership and you're not going to be able to compete in any of our events. And some of them went fine here. Yeah, and basically turned in their library card, so to speak. Uh, you know, and then there's other guys who we haven't quite heard about yet. But one of the most notable, if not well-known, names in golf uh, today, uh, as we record, uh, had some interesting things to say about the whole matter. Uh, and that would be one Tiger Woods, who is uh, getting ready to participate in St Andrews, Scotland, for the Open. Mm-hmm. You know, the 150th Open Championships. Uh, he was asked about it, and he said, "Quote: I disagree with it." I think that what they've done is they've turned their back on what has allowed them to get to this position. Who knows what's going to happen in the near future with world ranking points, the criteria for entering major championships, the governing body is going to have to figure that out. Some of these players may not ever get a chance to play in major championships. That is a possibility. We don't know that for sure yet. It's up to all the major championship bodies to make that determination, but that is a possibility that some players will never, ever get a chance to play in a major championship, never get a chance to experience this right here, walk down the fairway at Augusta National. That, to me, I just don't understand it. Close quote. From the one and only Tiger Woods. Tiger's not wrong, in my opinion. No, he's not. Absolutely not. Uh, I can't. I If you've listened to this podcast a long time, you know I don't have any patience for millionaires fighting with millionaires. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm sorry. You play a sport for your profession. Yep. You've been given that gift. Yep. You you play a sport which for ninety nine percent of the world is a leisure. Yeah, it, it's something you do. It's not something that like you're required to do or something that you have to do. No, it's something you do as a hobby. Yeah. So the fact that you're arguing about millions when you've already made it, and it's not like anybody that's on the PGA Tour is mm-hmm. is struggling to mm-hmm. a level of anybody else that's working right. a nine to five. So right. I'm sorry. So don't hit me with that argument. The fact that you're turning your back on the the place that made you to to go for a cash grab is really dumb. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I don't know what the PGA is going to do in response because they did say, "Well, you're off the tour," and how that works for Augusta and right. the Masters. Yep. But I, if I'm the PGA, you make that hard stance. You want out, you're gone. Yeah. And you talk to Augusta. Augusta wants to host the Masters. Guess what? The people that won the Green Jackets, the jump ship, they're not allowed back in. Because if if we're do not it. if we're not mistaken, if you win. At Augusta, you basically can come back and play for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, so Phil Mickelson, who has won at Augusta multiple times, depending on the decision they make, might not be able to play Augusta. Yeah. So it's it's a weird legal situation going on, too, but it's one that Tiger's voice does matter and definitely oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. spoke volumes, and I, and I fully agree with oh, it. Oh, I, I mean, I do, too. Like, I understand wanting the money for a lot less work in this end because admittedly golf does seem to go on forever and, oh sure and but. take like a week off yeah you know so i i can understand from the travel and the being away from home and this like i can understand it but still you're doing something that is a leisure for 99 percent of the world yeah you know or whatever the statistic is you know so i i can't exactly feel sorry for you woe is me oh i'm, I'm having issues playing golf like okay I know 
probably a dozen, two dozen people who do that for a leisure when they can, and that's not even weekly. Yeah, so you really don't have a leg to stand on. I'm sorry. No. I, I don't want to hear this nonsense. I don't I don't have any patience for it. I stand with Tiger about this one. If you jump ship from the house that made you, you're now welcome back home. So take that in mind and take it for what it is. I'm, I'm not going to be watching it. I know Coach Duffy and some guy Galore probably will be, and I'll have to hear their feedback about this. Maybe, just maybe, we'll actually get a block from the guys. I know. I coach uh, Sound Guy Galore has been mentioned that as of late. So mm. uh, who knows? Stay tuned for that. Dot, dot, dot. And to close out, there was some college football news that uh, was going on, and there's a big shakeup that's still breaking as we're talking about it. Yeah, so uh, joining the ranks of the Big Ten, joining in, I want to say it's 2024, 2025, something like that. 24, yep. Uh, is the University of Southern California, the USC Trojans, uh, and then UCLA, the Bruins, are joining the Big Ten. Uh, so, and, and reportedly, uh, jokingly, of course, uh, the new motto of the Big Ten is from sea to shining sea. Because they will now have fucking teams on both coasts. You know. This is wild. It's it's insane. I'm sorry. Like, the fact that college football is just taken over and the divisions are all, or the conferences are all out of whack. Like, the, I mean, this isn't the first instance of this, though. Like, no, it's not. Like, I remember, what was it, 2006 or maybe after 2010, somewhere in there, that, like, there was the last major shakeup when everyone went, oh, my God, holy shit. Yeah. But, I mean, like I said, this is nothing new, but the fact that, like, we're still doing this and eventually, like, eventually they're going to get down to two conferences mm-hmm. and everybody is going to, like, it's going to be split. Like, that's what they just need to do. Be- but there's too much money involved, mm-hmm. and that's the big problem, that you're now, you're going to be doing all types of different crazy traveling. Notre Dame is now rumored to be looking at a conference, too. Like, right. it's this is just such a wild scenario, and especially for UCLA and USC to leave the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. That's freaking crazy. Well, that on top of Oklahoma and Texas agreeing to join the SEC last year, two years yeah. ago, whatever it was. And then also the Big 12 has added BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. Uh, we did have a little bit of a uh, – I. Uh, thoughts and opinions of the one, the only Nick Saban, head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, one of the, if not the most well-known college football coaches. Interesting. I want to hear this. Uh, so this, according to an article from ESPN.com, uh, quote, Alabama coach Nick Saban believes college football is heading down the path of mega conferences. Uh, during an appearance on the Always College Football podcast this week, Saban lamented the way realignment has stripped the tradition associated with the play in the same conference over a prolonged period of time. Uh, Last month, USC and UCLA, which have been part of the Pac-12 since it was called the Pac-8, announced that they would be leaving to join the Big Ten. A year ago, longtime Big 12 powers, Oklahoma and Texas, agreed to join the SEC, and in response, the Big 12 added BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. Saban harked back to the Oklahoma-Nebraska series, which was discontinued when the Cornhuskers left the Big 12 for the Big Ten after the 2010 season. Saban said, quote, but I think we're going to deal with it in a greater capacity than ever before because I think mega conferences are probably here to say to stay. Market share, there's always a lot of that involved in why we're doing what we're doing, close quote. Uh, so, he, you know, he also went on to say, uh, we don't have any guardrails on what we're doing right now. We have no restrictions on who can do what. Some people are going to be capable of doing certain things other people aren't going to be capable of. But the bottom line is we'll lose competitive balance, which everything we've always done in college football is to maintain competitive balance. Same scholarship. Everyone had to play by the same rules, whether it was recruiting or whatever. Right now, that's not how it is. Close quote. 
He's not wrong. No, he ain't. He is completely spot on. Although Saban talking about competitive balance, admittedly, is hilarious. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm taking, High the Citadel. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking that out of the equation. But you know what he's saying about rosters and paper? No, and, yeah, he's, and, you know, no, he's like, not wrong. He's not wrong. Like, I actually agree with him about this one, but I, but I do agree. How many times is he going to face the Citadel oh, in this yeah. season? Um, so that being said, just our opinion, folks. I mean, that being said, no, he's, he's hit it right on the, on the yeah. head. The, the fact that you are taking away the the playing field, the mm-hmm. parity, it's now you're going to have these super conferences that, like, and all the top talent is going to go there. So, Well, because I think what they're trying to do is I think they're trying to emulate to a certain degree what the NFL is doing because I saw a graphic the other day, yeah, last night, uh, I think it was Pat McAfee tweeted it out, uh, where it was basically the Nielsen top 10, top 25 uh ratings in the US for the last for the up to the date for the year and the entire top 10 of them outside of uh President Biden's state of the union address all of them sports hmm. and and with the exception of I want to say a random uh during the season NFL game there was like a random one during the NFL season um and then the, like the national title game was was in like the top 10 but the rest of them NFL playoffs. Yeah. So well, I, I think what the college football wants to do is they want to take that, they want to take all their mega teams, put them together, drive up the ratings, and drive in the bucks. Oh, of course. I mean, like I say, money just ruins everything for that. And, th- and that's what you're going to have happen. But, of course, if they can do a super conference, that's what they're going to try doing. Or do two, and then you have that be your quote-unquote Super Bowl. <sighs> it's, it's frustrating to see, but obviously this is where everything's shifting. So if you're not a fan of college football – this is really going to damper a lot of the rivalries you have with college, you know, college basketball, mm-hmm. college baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is when the Big East used to be the best uh, basketball tourney or oh, conference yeah. in all of college basketball, oh, and that's yeah. been a shamble in my opinion. Yeah, it has. So, wait and see how this shakes up. But that was big news. That obviously, when you have a big domino like that fall, yeah, more are going to be coming. So, how you know college football as it is right now is going to be subject to change. Stay tuned for more. So that being said. The music you heard on this edition of the ODPH. We started with some Brian Wolf. We're going to close with some Tom Jolu this week. Uh, Pat, if I want to find out more about them, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section, check out everything going on with them. Shout out the robots, Second Suitor, who is announcing more matches, allegedly. There, there, there's some noises coming out of the Suitor camp for Suitor Slam 2, taking mm. place August 12th at the X. Locally in the uh, Oakdale Commons mm. in Johnson City. So if you want to find out more information about that, swing on over to their social media account. Tell Tyler we sent you, and he'll say, cool. And then you can find out more. But I hear more matches are coming. There's rumor of an Excite Wrestling International title Ooh, match. I, I don't know, because uh, Excite Wrestler Sean Carr goes to the same gym I do. I've seen Sean hitting the weights these days. Uh, so he's getting ready. He's definitely getting ready for it. I know he's got a big tag match. Him and Tyler are taking yeah. on Axel Lennox and Garrett Holiday. Yeah. That will be a fun match. Like, Tyler can actually wrestle. Like, so Tyler might be carrying Sean. Hmm. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just saying. Like, Tyler technically is 1-0 against him. He, he defeated him this last year. This is true. Didn't get his title match. Moose got to fix that. Also, uh, positive thoughts for Moose right now, too, and everybody going on there, too, as well. Uh, but while you're at the website, you check out the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Oh, uh, 12, 70, excuse me, wow, I'm getting the number wrong, uh, 712,654. That's what it feels like, because we are on a lot of places. The downloads this weekend were absolutely crazy, so thank you so much for that. We do appreciate that here, and that's what we say with the directory. If we're not on your favorite podcast provider, let us know, and we'll try getting on there. That's what we do for you, the ODPH Society. We want to make it as easy as you can to get the 
updated ODPH content right to your podcast player and drop a five-star review while you're at it too. We do appreciate that as well. Also, at the website, you have the classified section, which has organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, voter registration, all the amazing groups that we are in. So shout out to the Inner Circle, shout out to the Apocalypse, and of course, shout out to 607 and uh, Podcast and 8122 Productions. All of that, the T Public Store, which we said at the beginning of the show, and we do mean it, free shipping for a limited time only. So in the next 48 hours, when you hear this podcast, get over to the T Public. Go get some swag. We know some of our podcast friends did. Shout out to the Multiverse of Badness. They bought some ODPH swag. Definitely appreciate the support. So if you want to be like the cool kids, got to swing on over and do that. But you can only do that by swinging over to ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only, Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. But it's